Welcome to Input GR, a podcast by Dunamis Media. Hey folks, Bruce with Dunamis Media, and welcome to Input GR, where we ask for your input so we can have a better outcome. Today I have Diane Lowe on the phone, and Diane is a blogger and a farm wife. And uh, she's going to be talking a little bit about uh, the dairy farm industry, and uh, we're looking forward to hearing from her. But before we get to our guest, uh, I would like to mention our sponsor of the day, and that is Larry Martin of Keller Williams. Larry's been in the real estate business for almost 29 years, and he has over 500 reviews on Zillow. And uh, Larry will help you in selling your house or if you want to buy a house. And also, he's offering a free estimate if you would like to contact him. His number is 616-532-7200, and his website is LarryMartin.com. And at the end of this podcast, as tradition, I always ask my guest a Michigan trivia question. So, Diane, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Doing very well, thanks. So, Diane, um, you are in Byron Center, correct? Yeah. Well, that's our mailing address. We're a little bit east of, or west of that. Got it, got it. That's what I thought. Kind of the burn-ups area, too, right? Yeah, we're kind of like in the middle of a whole bunch of stuff, but not really in one place. <laughs> okay, gotcha. And I think it was, I'm trying to remember, we were out there two years ago, I think, when you had the kids. I think it's close to two years ago. When you had all the kids out there, and we took some video, I did an interview with you. I think that was, yep. I think it's almost two years ago, and that was a lot of fun. Um, we learned a lot uh, about the dairy industry for sure. Um, but Diane, if you could tell us a little bit about your story and tell us perhaps how you met Wendell and how you guys got into farming. Okay. Um, yeah, I grew up over on the east side of the state over by Flint and my life was pretty cut and dried. My dad was a tool and die maker so he was home every night, home on the weekends, vacations and things like that. And then I met my husband Wendell when I was on this side of the state visiting my grandparents. And I um, turned 18 and I graduated in June, turned 18 in July and got married in September and then moved over here. And it was a total, total culture shock because on the farm, you get up at 5 and he would be gone until 10 or 11 at night. We would only have Sunday dinners together. It was just totally not what I thought was going to happen. And it was really kind of a hard struggle, especially when the kids came along, um, not having the family time that I had grown up with. But you either learn to adjust or you don't. So obviously we learned to adjust. And my husband is third generation. His dad happened to marry his mother, who was a neighbor to his parents' farm. So two neighboring farmers mm. got married and joined the farms together. And that was the basis of what our farm is now. And now we have four sons. And there's one son that is farming with us. So he's fourth generation. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a grandson that he hasn't decided, but he looks like he's got the genes for it, too. He can do so many. I mean, he's 16 going on 17, and he can do the work of anybody on the farm right now. Sure. And I've been here for 49 years, going to be in September. And um, I'm very happy that I'm here instead of over on the east side. I'm very, very happy with 
you know, where God plopped me. He kind of sure. knew what he was doing, I sure. think. But, but when you were a kid, I bet you probably never dreamed that you'd be a part of the farm life, did you? No, never. Not at all. <laughs> but I, I much prefer cows over people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So, Diane, uh, so that's Indian Trail Farms uh, is what it's yep. called, and it's a dairy farm. And yep. um, tell us a little bit about, I was thinking about this yesterday. I mean, I would say probably 99% of us have no clue what farming is all about, right? Tell us a mm-hmm. little, you know, tell us a little bit about what, what that looks like in an everyday life. Well, right now, well, actually for the last five or six years, um, farming in general, especially dairy farming, has not been easy at all. It's been a very, very huge challenge. But we continue to do everything that we do, whether it's good or bad as far as that goes. But for us, we milk about 1,200 cows at two locations, and our cows are milked around the clock. So obviously we have employees, and they are... the most awesome people in the world. We could not do this without them. Mm-hmm. So they milk and they scrape daily. We feed every single day. We um, clean out the stalls, if you want to call them that. We have freestall barns. We have calves. We probably have, oh, I think we're averaging about seven, eight calves a day. And we keep some of the female calves because that's what we want on the dairy farm. And the male calves we sell because they um, don't help us in any way, shape, or form other than having a cow being able to be milked. Um, We take very good care of our cows. We have a nutritionist, and he comes in and he tests the food that we put up in storage, whether it's in our silos or in our ag bags. And he tests that for nutrients, and then he will suggest other additives like soybean meal, cornmeal, um, cotton seed, different things to create a balanced diet for different groups of our cows in order for them to be as healthy as they can and so they can produce as much milk as what they can. We have um, our herdsman is a vet. We do pregnancy checks. We do um, artificial insemination. We do embryo transfers. We um, have a hoof trimmer that comes in, and one of our guys also does it, that we're trimming the hoofs of the cows. If our cows' feet aren't well and healthy, they can't get up to eat. So they're monitored around the clock. The same with their calves. Uh, Usually there's somebody there when one is born, sometimes not, but immediately they're fed colostrum, given their vaccines, Mm -hmm. they're taken care of. So it's um, it's a busy time, and right now it's the in between time, waiting to get out in the fields. It's too uh, it's been too wet, and the ground is actually too cold to plant anything just yet. So we're kind of trying to catch up with fixing a lot of the things that we didn't get fixed through the process of the uh, all year long. But that's kind of it in a nutshell. I don't know if I'm leaving anything else out. So how many people do you employ? Um, we have about 22, and some of those are part-time. So mm-hmm. I would say we have an average of 17, maybe full-time. Got it. And and most of that area, I mean, you like you said, you had neighboring farmers. That's pretty much farmland. Um, yeah. Right in our general area is farmland, and that's starting to be a problem because we own – so many acres and then we rent other acres so we farm about 
I want to say we farm about 12 or 1300 acres, but we just lost some of the acreage that we rented because they are um, selling it off to uh, somebody who's going to put in a subdivision or whatever. Oh. So we're kind of landlocked right here. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's hard to see big old field that was corn or hay turn into houses. Yeah. But it's, it is what it is. Yes. Urban development, right? This is yeah. Or, <laughs> or whatever. Not I mean, always, it could turn into that, not right? Not always a good thing. No. I mean, it's just, uh, as you look at it, Grand Rapids has just really expanded so much and it's, and it's going out. I've I mean, I'm from Wayland. That's my hometown. And I've, and anytime I drive out there now, and I had a feeling this would happen, you're just seeing more and more and more developments more industry just it's just almost becoming kind of one big town you know grand rapids so uh, yeah and like what you said um 99 of the people don't know about farming and i don't know if it's changed but just a few years ago that was said that the average person is at least three generations away from a farmer meaning it was their great 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 grandparents that farmed or whatever many people People don't even know a farmer, and mm-hmm. I would say one of the most frustrating things for me and why I blog and things is because it's amazing that people, many, many people, do not connect a person behind their food. Right. They they do not get the connection. Uh, you know, and that's so true. I mean, I was waiting for Julie, and I was pondering that because I, I was thinking about when I was talking to you. And I'm thinking about, I think when we go into a store, it's like, well, they just appear on the shelf, you know, and we don't really stop and think about it, about what it took to get those goods on the shelf and how much work it took. And if you took the farmer out of the equation, the truckers, all of it, guess what? We're going to starve. Yeah. And that's (laughs) one of the things I've noticed with this COVID um, they talk about how grateful that they are for the grocery store workers and the truck drivers and those who stock the shelves and things like that. And um, very few carry it back to the farmer. It mm. stops at the person who brings the food to the store. Mm-hmm. They don't think about the milk processing plant or the slaughterhouse or anything like that, let alone going, like I said, back to the person, the flesh and blood who stands there day after day and does the work. Sure. Well, you, you talked about COVID. I want to get into that. Um, tell me, if you could, share with, with me um, how that has affected the American farmer. Well, it's making our bad situation worse as far as dairy farmers. Um, we've had too much milk on the market, and now we really have too much milk on the market. With schools closing down, sporting events, you know, the chips and cheese and ice cream and the school lunches and things like that, there is um, a lot more milk. Part of the problem is you have a facility or a plant that produces milk and it gets put in the little milk cartons for the schools. Mm -hmm. So that whole plant is dedicated to that. Or you have a plant that is dedicated to making cheese or dedicated to making ice cream. And now that we have all this fluid milk and for whatever odd reason, the grocery stores are putting limits on, which they shouldn't, we, and this may be part of the reason why, is you can't just all of a sudden shove a gallon uh, into that plant that was producing small milk cartons. 
you have to you'd have to redesign the whole thing you know the machinery the dyes everything and so all of a sudden what went to other things is now trying to go for the liquid milk and it's just not we don't have the facilities to i guess keep up with that i have a friend over in wisconsin who said their milk gets picked up it gets taken to the processing plant and then that truck driver has to sit there six hours waiting for all the milk that's already in there to get out before their milk can be dumped in there to be able to be processed and the same thing goes with cheeses and things like that before this with the restaurants and things like that there were plants that would produce 50 pound slabs of cheese and i don't know how many how much pounds of butter but it was bigger things for cafeterias and things like that and now that that need isn't there that product needs to go to other things and once again the plants and things are not set up for that but there you should first of all there's no lack of food we have no lack of food farmers are really good at what we do mm -hmm. and um there's plenty of food it's might be just a matter of logistics getting it to you sure. and getting it from you know one place to the other like that well i heard you saying i was listening to your program and you said that um you don't have you have not had to dump milk but you know some farmers in wisconsin that had to do that right Yep. Um, there's people in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Florida, uh, Canada, and uh, I think maybe Ohio, but I'm not 100% sure. And I think every dairy farmer got the letter from their own co-op saying that they wanted us to cut back on our cows. Um, they wanted to cull our cows so we wouldn't have so much milk and be prepared to dump milk, worst case scenario. And we have becoming, we have been aggressively culling our cows more than what we did before. And that means you take your low producing cows and you sell them. Well, mm -hmm. now we're selling them quicker and maybe not making them be quite such low producing. We're trying to help the situation. Um, but now there's been a new letter out where they're, and I don't know how they would do it, but they're basically gonna try to get, their suggestion is to have every dairy farmer cut back 10%. Um, you know, sell off 10% and it, those cows could not go back into another milking facility. And that's all fine and dandy as far as helping the milk supply, but you're going to cut back 10% of my income from those cows, but hmm. nobody's going to cut back on my bills that we're having a really hard time paying right now. Right. You have to realize the, for the price that you guys pay for milk in the store really reflects never on us, never, ever. Hmm. And, um, we are getting milk prices now the same that we did back in the 1990s. Um, it has dropped like a rock and then it comes back up and then it comes back down. And you, it's not like you get the reg, you get your same paycheck every week where you can budget and say, okay, I got $500 for this. I got a thousand for this, 2000 for that, because you never know what it's going to be because of the milk prices. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be tough. That again, we don't understand what it's like to be a farmer. Um, yeah. And I don't want to paint it all doom and gloom. No, My no. goodness. Because, um, first of all, I think for the most part, I think farmers are created. Mm -hmm. I think God drops it into them to be a farmer mm -hmm. because, um, not too many people would continue doing what we're doing and getting what we're getting. Sure. But there's a lot of other benefits that we receive that other people don't, and they have no clue. Mm -hmm. I mean, who else can 
you know, look out across the road and see acres and acres sure. of beautiful, you know, green land. And I can walk through the barn with my cows and there's just such a peace and yeah. um, a settling of your heart and soul being with them and a brand new calf being born. It's just, it, it's amazing mm. every single time. And um, you create a relationship with these animals too. And when it's time for one of them to go and take them to the sale, you know, sometimes you shed a tear. You kind of have to learn how to cut that all off. But you work with some great people. You're outside. You throw a piece of corn in the ground and it dies and it comes back and mm. it produces how many times over. Right. So there's an awful lot of good. So I don't want to no. paint it all as being bad. But I also do want people to value their food mm -hmm. and the process that happens for them in order to have it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have a blog and you're a podcaster and you also have a radio program. You're you're very active, by the way. You you kind of blow me in the <laughs> well, weeds. This is awesome because you I, this lady is very, very active. Uh, Diane is, is great. And uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well... Oh, I don't know how many years ago. It's got to be 14, 15, maybe. I uh, started a cookie company, and it was out of Holland. I baked at a bakery, at a commercial kitchen, and then I would sell them at the farmer's market. Mm -hmm. And somehow I got connected to WHTC, um, the DJ back then, and I became friends. And he'd have me on, and we'd just come on and talk and goof around. And then my program, A Farm Life with a Farm Wife, was kind of created. And my insurance agent, Mark Hopp, Farm Bureau Insurance, he sponsors me. And I was going in every Wednesday and doing a 10-minute spot. And then I took one summer off, and now I've backed off to the first and third Wednesday. I have a spot called A Farm Life with a Farm Wife mm -hmm. that I've been doing. And I try to concentrate mostly on um, what's going on in the farm and the farm world and things like that. And the same with my blog. My blog is basically, hopefully, a look into farm life and who we are. And and that encompasses a lot of things because I'm also a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a grandmother. I work on the farm. I drive tractor. I do the books. I shove cows around. I <laughs> slop in the poop. You know, yep. so there's a lot of different aspects that's there. And then I have the um, Facebook page, a farm wife Facebook page. And I try to share a lot of different of my friends. I have a lot of wonderful friends and add to that are much more technical and um, have many more followers than what I do. So mm -hmm. um, if, if you get to my page, you'll hopefully find some other great pages to learn more facts and things about farming in other areas, too. So, you, and uh, you, what is your po your podcast is called that as well? Is it? It's called yeah, the farm. It's, yeah, it's on. It's not really a podcast, so to speak. It's on WHTC. Oh, yes. They put it all on their thing on their radio. And then this time we did the Zoom, and unbeknownst to me, he we did the video. So that was. I love being behind the scenes, just like this. You don't have to look at me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, where I am. <laughs> right. The nice thing about podcasting without a camera is you can do it in your pajamas. You can do it, you know, I mean, exactly. You don't have exactly. To. So, yeah, exactly. Right. So, that's very cool. Um, so, yeah, so I did hear that. What is the, the number on the dial for that? Um, that's 1450 AM. And, oh man, it's connected to FM. I think it's 99.7 FM okay. also. Okay. Cool. 
Yeah, that was great. And you're every, did you say it was every other week? It's the first and third Wednesday, about 8.35-ish, 8.38. Okay, cool. That's great. Like this time, I won't be on again now for two weeks because there's five Wednesdays in uh, April. Just to be clear, that's 8.30 a.m. Yes. Yes, got it. And uh, I think, really, I just wanted to talk to you about, I know that the, the coronavirus has taken a lot of people by storm, and we're seeing this happen, and I uh, wish the best for you guys um, and, and for all the businesses here in, in West Michigan and around the country. Right. I mean, and around the world for that matter. But well, uh, we've also tried to, um, and I think most businesses have, we have um, protocol posted all over the place. We've finally got masks for all of them. Mm -hmm. We have a thermometer. We have several sinks throughout the farm and the parlor. And um, my son is mixed up sanitizer. And we have it in the bathroom, the lunchroom, and all the tractors, trucks. We have it all over the place. Mm -hmm. And um, so hopefully, you know, everybody's, and, and for the most part, we're not side by side. We're in and out, back right. and forth. But we're doing our best mm -hmm. to try to keep everything, you know, the way it should be. Right. But I do want to say one thing. Out of all of this, with all of the financial issues and the stresses with the coronavirus and too much milk and then we you can throw in there the deq and you can throw in there the animal activists that don't know what they're talking about and throw all of that stuff in there and it gets kind of messy and it gets kind of discouraging at times but never before have i felt so strongly than i do now but i feel like this is all a setup mm. for god to show up yeah and like I said on my radio spot that, you know, we do the best we can, we plan as far as we can, and then you have to sit back and rely on something else to get you through. Right. And I figure what better than the person who created this whole ball of mud where everything got started and got rolling, and that's what we do. And I, I can't speak for any other farmer, and I don't know of any other farmer that does not have some relationship with the good Lord or mm. they're really traveling because right. if it wasn't for that and feeling like we are doing exactly what God has created us to do and there's still joy in doing it. If we mm. can just shove some of the other things out of the way and, and look at the joyful parts and, and get rid of the noise that's around us. Um, we're doing just exactly what God wants us to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. And, and the great thing that we can do, I think one of the best things we can manifest to people is peace, right? Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. if, if you have peace, if, if people see that I'm a wreck or that yeah. you know, you're a wreck, um, they're not going to see the manifestation of God. You know, not that it, it doesn't mean that we don't have struggles, but yeah. the fact is, um, I've, I've said that what you were saying too, is I believe this whole thing, this whole mess is going to turn around for good. Um, yeah. And there's there's some good things that have happened with families. Uh, there's I'm, I know there's some bad things that have happened, but yeah, it, you know it, there does have to be a time limit. I believe that, um, but when that is, I don't know. But I'm hoping soon, and I know all of us are. Yeah. But um, yeah. God's gonna God's gonna turn this thing around. Yeah, that's a whole another subject about time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could get into that one too. Yeah, for sure. Well, Diane, would, you know, I would just encourage everybody to keep buying dairy products, keep buying your fresh fruits and vegetables. Don't mm -hmm. worry about the food. When 
we are able to purchase flowers, get out there and flock to your greenhouses. These people's lives mm. are being put on hold. Yes. These flowers cannot be shoved on a shelf for two or three months and then brought out whenever somebody finally decides. So if there's any way possible that you can somehow support these people, please do so because this is the time when all of their work comes to fruition and this is where their paycheck comes from. Uh, a lot of local people are supplying like Myers and Lowe's and things like that. They don't have a retail for themselves. So it's just when things open up, throw your masks on, get out there and buy, buy, buy mm -hmm. because these people need it. hundred uh, percent. You know, we've tried to do that with, with local restaurants and we have done that, yeah. you know, and we, I tell people, give them a good tip too, you know, um, yes, but, absolutely. you know, but, but that's just one business. That's a restaurant. And, I, and then yep. you start thinking about all the other ones, like you said, these greenhouses. And right now, cause I used to be in the irrigation business right now, we would be hopping. We would yep. be going full force, full steam and the, and the landscape businesses would be too. Yeah. The stores would be full of flowers. Mother's oh my Day gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, the, these are things that, uh, we need to pray through, continue to pray for our, our, our president, our vice president, yep. our governor, all the things. Mm -hmm. it, says to, it says that we're supposed to pray for our leaders, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to continue yeah. to do that. So, Absolutely. Well, Diane, thank you so much. Um, I do have one question for you, and that's a trivia question. It's a Michi oh, Michigan <laughs> trivia. Okay. All right. Okay, so here it is. Who was the longest serving? It's a multiple choice, by the way. Who was the longest serving governor in Michigan history? Was it George Romney, William Milliken, or John Swainson? Oh, man. I'm going to say Romney. Nope, it's William Milliken. Actually, if you didn't have a, have me a choice, I was going to say Snyder. So that's how much I know. <laughs> no, that's all right. Yeah, William Milliken actually served from 1969 to 1983. So, what? Yes, what he did. That's what it said. So. Oh. He must have been doing a really good job or people were too lazy to get out and vote. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That's a long time. I, I, I can't even remember why. I didn't look at the details on that one. but uh, Yeah. Yeah, Bill Milliken. I remember him well. but uh, Yeah, I remember the name, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yep. Sometimes that's one thing that we all need to pay a little bit more close <laughs> attention to is the whole election issues and the people mm. who are supposed to be serving us. Mm. We're not serving them. So we right. need to pay attention to that. Yeah, I always love it when the politician says, um, "My my bosses." <laughs> oh, yeah, that that's right. Yeah. We did we did elect you to go over there. <laughs> so exactly. we are we are a representative republic, right? So anyway, yeah, yeah. Well, again, thank you, Diane, for the information, and I appreciate uh, you sharing your heart and your story and um, what God is doing, right? Even yeah. amidst this thank crisis. Thank you for giving me the app. Thank All you right. for giving me the opportunity. I always say if God opens the door, Amen. I walk through and hopefully I do it in a way that doesn't dishonor him. <laughs> Amen. Well, you're a good friend and I really appreciate it. And thanks so much for joining us. And thank you all for joining us. And remember, keep listening and keep learning. I'm Bruce with Input GR. You have a blessed day.